Okie dokie, folks, and welcome back to Monday Night Shaw. We are live here on uh, Love Pro Wrestling, or Love Wrestling, for the very first time. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, we used to be uh, over on Backbreaker Podcasts, but um, like I say, uh, Mike had to shut down the, uh, the, the podcasting network, but mm-hmm. uh, Love Wrestling was here, and they asked me to start doing Love uh, Monday Night Shaws with them, so... Uh, uh, we're Pretty here cool. and we're, and we're doing it. Yeah. And uh, on today's show, we have a brand new guest. Um, uh, my guest today has never uh, been on an episode of Monday Night Shaw, whether it be on Backbreaker Media Network or Love Wrestling or elsewhere. Uh, so I, I'm very happy uh, and, and honored to welcome uh, the, the Bobby Sharp here. So Bobby, how are you doing today, buddy? Uh, I'm doing good, buddy. It's, it's uh, a pleasure to finally be here and talk with you. Yeah, it's been a while, eh? Um, mm-hmm. you, you've kind of been uh, uh, just kind of back, getting back in there and uh, doing the rounds again. Uh, you just returned from uh, having a hip surgery. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, uh, I had hip replacement surgery last July. So, and then when you think about before that it was kind of the pandemic uh, era. So, 2020, 2021 weren't too, too many shows. And then July 2021, I had hip replacement surgery total hip surgery replacement surgery um but i feel great uh, now i'm recovered and i'm back in the ring and things are moving along pretty pretty how, so how long exactly did it take you from uh from when you went under the knife to uh when you were able to uh return to the ring um i think it's just shy of 11 months from from the day of my surgery to the to, to the first match, because obviously I, I rolled around a little bit, <laughs> probably shouldn't have anyway, but yeah, about 11 months. Um, yeah, and I mean, like, uh, I was waiting for that that surgery. It was kind of like a wear and tear situation. Um, it stemmed from a car accident where I tore the labrum in both my hips. Um, that's just the tissue that the uh, the hip bone sits in around. Uh, you, got, you got a labrum in your shoulder as well. Uh, so I tore the labrum in my, both my hips. I was experiencing a significant amount of pain and stuff like that. I still, I still wrestled. I was still doing things. It wasn't debilitating, but <laughs> then um, it just got worse and worse. So the doctor suggested uh, a cleanup type surgery, which is like a scope uh, kind of thing where they go in there and they, they clean up the scar tissue and, and try and smooth the bone out so it's not as uh, so jagged and, and so it fits better. So when they did that, I guess the arthritis was so severe, among other things, I got a bone degeneration disease. Uh, I don't really know what the science is behind that. Basically, the surgery was supposed to prolong hip replacement. It sped up the process to the point where I needed it. I needed it ASAP after I got the labrum surgery. So it ended up working against me. Um, but my doctor was very, very uh, hopeful about getting the surgery. And like he, he recommended it. He wasn't saying, wait till I'm older because like uh, I'm 33. So you don't hear about too many total hip replacements that people my age. So, yes. so yeah, he was, he, he just wanted me to have a better quality of life, I think. So, but I'd say he was right. Cause like, I feel even if I wasn't wrestling, I feel so much better just day to day. Well, I mean, like I, I'm surprised. I actually, I actually just assumed that you needed this hip surgery due to a, a, an injury sustained mm-hmm. uh, from wrestling. Uh, I, I wasn't aware that it was a car accident. Mm-hmm. So there's, I did have a hip injury. It's funny because like uh, it confuses a lot of people because when I was 18, I broke my pelvic bone. So 
a lot of people think, oh, okay, that's what led to the to the surgery. And I'm sure it, it didn't help. But I, I cracked the end of my pelvic bone in, in, in 2008, but it was the opposite hip. So this hip could have been damaged by compensation, but basically I've always had hip, hip problems. I've always had uh, delicate, <laughs> delicate hips. So yeah. How did, so when the, how did you uh, crack your hip? I did an acai moonsault. And this would be a lesson to people that want to do big, <laughs> big high spots. Uh, an acai moonsault, moonsault to the floor. Um, I was young and green, so I went before anybody was ready for me to go. I learned this after the fact that one of the guys that was was catching me was was blowing up and started throwing up or, or dry heaving or something. So I'm lucky I didn't land in the puke. But anyway, yeah. so one guy was dry heaving. One guy was seeing this happening and kind of was like, oh, sh- oh, shit, and backed up. And then the third guy just was out of position. So when I did the moonsault, basically... I just fell in between them or my legs kind of clipped them and I landed all on my, uh, all on my end of my hip on the right side. Basically I didn't land flat. I landed like, okay, twisted like that a bit right on my hip. And so all the pressure on that, um, concrete floor just cracked the end of the pelvic bone and that was it. I didn't need surgery or anything after that. I just needed to recover, but, uh, yeah, I learned learned my lesson there. Yeah, did you did you so you haven't done any more aside moonsaults to the floor onto people that are <laughs> cast out? I uh <laughs> I uh when I was at one point I never tried it again either, but um Teddy Hart had a little ring set up at some some country home or something. And that was the first thing he was trying to get me to do. Is like, all right, because you you have this fear, let's do a side moonsault. And I'm like, man, I don't think my career really needs me to hit an aside moonsault, you know? Like, I don't think I that's that's what's missing, you know? So it's yeah. like he made me he made me do it like a couple and it's not that the moonsault is scary, it's it's yeah. the land landing on my hip and hurting myself is what I don't want to do. It wasn't the moonsault I had an issue with, you know? So yeah. it's like if I'm jumping on a crash pad, great. It's it feels great, but if I'm jumping onto three guys that miss me, you know, it doesn't feel good, you know. <laughs> I hear you. I did a uh, I was in um medicine hat last month and I did a suicide dive to the floor in one of my matches and I smacked my hip on the floor when I hit the ground and was like, Oh, Oh, not, yeah, not, not a good feeling. And they're not, um, make sure I don't land like <laughs> this next time I oh. try one of these. Yeah. No. And they're hard to, uh, um, recover from, even if you have a minor hip injury, everything you do in your entire getting up and sitting down and lying down and everything's affected. So it, they're not easy to recover from and they, they suck. So yeah. It, even if it like, I mean, I obviously like, I'm not trying to complain cause I didn't need hip replacements or anything, <laughs> but like, it was just like, it felt like a bruise right on the side of my, my, my body there. And Ooh. it was just in that one right in that position where you just feel it all the time. Yeah. yeah can't, <laughs> can't even sit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. So, um, you were uh, able to make your big return, uh, you uh, returned uh, at the Love Wrestling show there uh, recently against uh, the Thickness, and so how how did that uh, uh, work out? Were you approached by Love Wrestling to make your return there? Where did you get any other offers from maybe uh, Squig or Metal or anybody? <laughs> yeah, um, so it's kind of one of those weird—I wouldn't even say weird—tricky situation. I think every promoter and every company was kind of um, aware that I was stepping away just to, to recover and repair. There was always interest. I, I would say almost every single company is kind of like, once you're ready, let us know, let us know, and we'll get get going. 
Um, on the outside looking in and not dealing with, with any of the politics or talking to anybody, just from the outside looking in, uh, I've worked with everybody before, and I know I'm going to work with a lot of these guys again in the future, but when it came to Spencer, I really liked the product and the passion that he showed. And he's, he's different. It's somebody, somebody new, somebody different, at least at this time. Um, and I really like the passion that he showed for the, for the, for the product. And, uh, when I was returning, I wanted it to be kind of treated as a little bit different, something, something unique, I guess, or, or at least to be considered a big deal. And I think he was able to deliver on that, at least to hype up the return and made me feel good about coming back. Um, yeah. And then just, it's something, something, his passion for wrestling is, is, is like, makes you feel young again type of thing. So I thought it was a pretty cool, pretty cool experience there. Um, as for medals, I didn't know he was running a show until after I agreed to return for Spencer. So it could have been a bidding war, but well, you know, at that time it didn't really work out. I'm not, uh, when I posted the picture of me without my shirt on for the first time in like 10 months or whatever in my thirst trap uh, photo, that's when all the promoters were kind of like, hey, are you ready to turn? Are you ready to return? And it took a lot. It took the wrestler, not the wrestler in me to, because to, I wanted to tell them all, yep, let's do it. Let's go right away. And I was like, man, I don't want to take, because if I take all these booking, like I have the, the, the booking for Spencer and I want to see how I feel. And if I have to do it once a month, because I still want to do it, but if it's, if I'm going to suffer, you know, that's mm-hmm. not, it's worth it, but it's not worth it. You know, there's other things I can do, but. I can't just go wrestle for every single company. So I was taking it really, really easy there. So I took like one show for Spencer, one show for Squig, and then one show for Can-Am just to kind of get my feet wet and see how it feels. And I think things are feeling feeling pretty, pretty good. I, I don't know when I'm going to start rolling to get like four or five shows a week, but I'm going to start rolling a little bit quicker as the months and weeks go on now. I mean, it, it is it is cool how like when you went away, <coughs> like just like – Pardon me. The landscape was completely different. Mm-hmm. And like now you're back and it's like RCW has like almost like an open door policy type thing where like where a lot of the PWA wrestlers and yeah. stuff, the guys like yourself are, are, are welcomed with open arms and stuff. Mm-hmm. So like, can you talk about like how that's just like different from it was before you left and whatnot? Um, yeah. I mean like the exclusivity is like a, a I don't want to say it's a touchy subject because it's one of those ones where you can find the argument on both sides. You can be like, there's a good argument for being exclusive in, in a city for guys our level. And there's a good argument for letting us work wherever we want to work at for guys at our level too, you know, like, but at the same time, like um, they were so strict about it before. And I think everybody had their own little Island uh, in Edmonton. And then that was that. So that's if one positive came out of the COVID thing, it just made people realize you can't expect people to sit around and wait for you and not not give them shows and then expect them to not take shows elsewhere. And I think it, it started to become the realization of like, we, we don't need to be so strict. Like it, the exclusivity should almost be up to the individual as opposed to the promoter. Like if, 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 if I was working for PWA, I should use enough common sense to know that if PWA is giving me uh the the benefit to have a top spot i should also know that if i'm going to other companies i should protect my spot in pwa and not uh willing to just kind of throw it away or 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 look good in one company and look bad elsewhere if you know what i mean that type of thing and it should be up to the individual and, and the choice if they want to work for every company great 
but then you should also know that it's your choice. If you're working for all the companies, you're going to be at that same level for them all. Maybe it's a tough spot. Maybe it's not. But uh, I think it should be up to the individual wrestler as a, and to, to, to use their own common sense to protect their spot. And if the promoter chooses not to use them, that's kind of up to the promoter in his own regard too. But the exclusivity thing is like if there's no contract involved, it's kind of hard to ask guys to be exclusive. But at the same time, I, I get it because you want to offer a different – product as a promoter so it's nice to see that that's uh changed quite a bit because a lot of the guys are now getting a lot of work and a lot of guys are getting better very quickly so hopefully um like not hopefully i already know that the landscape of the top guys has completely changed and it's all fresh matchups now yeah yeah mm -hmm. i i think it's it, it's cool how we're we're just like seeing like sort of almost open door policies across mm -hmm. the board i mean i just saw uh squig on can-am like a couple of days ago yeah, I, was I, like, I was like I was oh like, okay so I, i'm gonna have to uh like keep my inbox open and and like yeah. can know that i'm also available <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah i was surprised to see him there too and he had some pretty choice words for uh Vinny fever i guess that they're and they're wrestling in the steel cage come september 10th the pavilions so for for the wild rose sports association company which should be should be kind of interesting. It's its own little super show right there. But yeah, um, why don't you tell us just like a little bit what you know about that uh, super show that's taking place at the Victoria Pavilion? Um, that's yeah. a big venue, right? Like that's one of the like that's, historic venues. Yeah, in Alberta, I'd say one of the historic venues as far as wrestling goes worldwide. The Pavilion is the Stampede venue. You know that they ran seventies, eighties, nineties, sixties, all that kind of stuff. The Stu Hart ran so. The building has got some character. It really feels amazing being in that inside that building, and it's you know it, it it's a um I believe it's like a horse horse auction building where they bring horses and people bid on them or whatever animals, but it's perfect for wrestling because it's got the the big dugout in the middle and then like people could sit all the way around it and, and seats and stuff. Um, I yeah I guess I'm happy more people are going to the pavilion. I guess the pavilion lowered their <laughs> their rent costs because before it wasn't even worth running there for some of these companies. But um, I don't know much about like so the the guy that's running the show, I believe he's he's involved a lot with a lot of charities and bullying anti bullying charities. So he just wanted to put together a little show, uh, I guess a big show, that helps uh, benefit his charity, add some super matches, no egos. All the companies uh, are involved all the way from Monster Pro to uh, RCW to uh, Can Am. So he's got an ECC. Um, I shouldn't say that, but a couple of companies from BC and stuff are involved as well. Uh, Cause you see like you got Scotty Mac coming out as well. So, I mean, he technically got quite a few uh, top guys from a bunch of different areas. He's bringing them all in for a super show. I think it's gonna be fairly unique. So curious. Yeah. That's another, like one of those things that I, I just like that's going on. Like, yeah, I consider like that that's a super show. And then these love wrestling shows are kind of like super shows. Like we used Definitely. to have episodes of Monday night Shaw that were just like Alberta, like fantasy league where we would book like a, a full show of like Alberta fantasy matches. And <laughs> yeah. It's redundant now. Cause there's no point in ever doing like another episode like that. Cause there's a card almost every month featuring people from all the, all the, yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Now that's, now there's just a couple dream matches left, but like, I think now it's a matter of uh, mixed mingling all the extra guys, all the imports. Cause one thing, um, one thing I like you're saying about these super shows here is that Alberta before 2020 really wasn't big on bringing in import talent. You know, we, we had our local guys and then you might 
be bringing in like a Cody Rhodes uh, level former WWE guy or something, but you weren't bringing in like Jody Threat or you weren't bringing in like guys like that, a Jordan Oliver, which he's bringing in, or like um, Willow Nightingale and stuff. So these are like not, I don't want to say they're not big names because they are, but they're great, great wrestlers and are on a higher level independently, but not a former WWE guy. But you're getting the chance to finally see these type of people in Alberta because they never, none of these guys ever came here. Very, very rarely. If, if anything, it was just for CWE once in a while. So I think that part's pretty cool because now we can mix in some of these um, phenomenal uh, in, in independent talent in with our local guys. And I think the matches here, like, it, I don't think it's going to dry up. The next year, you're going to see some incredible, incredible matches locally for sure. It's going yeah. to get better, yeah. And I, I think that that's one of the, like, one of the other best parts about this whole thing, especially with like companies like love wrestling and like, uh, you know, I'm sure top talent's going to be doing something like these companies that have like these Uber, like, like just great production values. Right. Mm -hmm. Alberta guys are going to start to be seen by mm -hmm. other, other people in other areas and stuff like that's one of the that's one of the kind of issues that people perceive about alberta wrestling is that it's just kind of happens its own little bubble yep. out there whereas you know other people they just don't see it but like with with this kind of stuff going on like the word's gonna spread man like uh, mm -hmm. i saw that video of mrb doing the big uh, flip on to the ladder onto uh to randy myers and uh yeah. Golden Boy Travis Williams there is like well like this is all gonna spread all over mm -hmm. all online and everybody's gonna yeah. know oh, this is MRB mm -hmm. and love wrestling and love wrestling runs in Edmonton yeah you know exactly I mean what when, when when I used to like in 2013 2014 2015 when I was trying my best to break out of Alberta that was it used to be like pulling teeth to get articles in like PWI and stuff like that, getting rankings. And we were able to do it, but it was really, really difficult. You had to know somebody. So now you see, now they're starting to cover Western Canada because they just recently talked about Love Wrestling and, and mm. Spencer and, and MRB and stuff. And it's like, I always used to push for that because it'd be like, they would have the list of the top 10 Canadians. They'd be nine guys from Ontario and maybe me and Scotty Mack or something. So it was like, is that really a list of Canada? You know, Western Canada gets neglected so, so much, but that's another thing when we talk about like, um, why I chose uh, LPW and to come back is like the production values, getting, getting the word out there is so important and getting those clips out there because how can those clips go viral if they're not being posted? Because before 2020, you never saw clips pretty much ever. So now guys are starting to share these, these crazy spots or these guys are starting to share their matches or there's a lot of advertising and a lot of social media attention uh that goes to an, and then when you check it out it's a produ nicely produced event all of them the matches are great um so i mean like yeah the notoriety i think like yeah in six six eight months you'll be looking at it, this will become a two company town and they'll be they'll be racing to the top spot here but i think they will be viewed as like it, at independent level a company you'll want to work for and i might even start bringing edmonton to the forefront again yeah is uh what in what in your opinion can the other companies do to to stay relevant um they have the, a lot of companies are, are behind production wise i think and that's that's a big 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 thing because a lot of the matches are great and yeah a lot, a lot of the shows themselves are, are really entertaining and you're not going to get like a, a faulty bad wrestling show but now it's all the bells and whistles or what's the difference between all these companies you know like um even even when you look at RCW from when they were a couple of years ago to how it just 
the venue just looks well put together now. But then when you think about it, it'd be great if they could get a screen, a venue with a screen. But it's like, if that's the only thing missing, they're still putting on quality, great quality shows. But to the average fan, when you have the bells and whistles, that's going to set some of these companies apart. And also, because yeah. that's the biggest thing. Like, if you, if you, you're seeing the similar matches or similar great matches, but if you see a big entrance and like they're trying to get pyro on some of these shows. So, I mean, like things like that, all presentation, it's all part of the wrestling presentation the show of, of the show of professional wrestling so all that stuff's important and the more you spend on having better production value the more quality people will view your company and i think that's what sets a lot of them apart and some of them i don't want to say want to fall back in the times but they need to put they need to put effort and they never like like rcw puts a lot of effort into getting uh their production value up in small places that don't allow video screens or other companies put really no effort into upping their production and think it's good enough. And I think that's yeah. a mistake. Yeah. Well, I mean, I remember a time when we had RCW shows where it was literally like the ropes were kind of ratty looking and there was no ring skirts on the ring. You could see like underneath the ring from, <laughs> from sitting yep. the, in the crowd. So there Ugly. was no yeah. barriers. It was just like, I think there was a piece of string tied between two little poles to keep mm -hmm. fans from crossing. And like, so just like the difference between that and what we have now is like night and day. But I, I do think like, I agree with you. I think what RCW uh, does is they're concentrating on putting on a good, like live show for the people mm -hmm. who are in attendance. Whereas a company like uh, uh, Love Wrestling, or uh, I would, I would have to imagine Top Talent. I don't, I don't know uh, what their video setup was, but like, I would have to imagine with those, that level of uh, production value that, like they, the home audience is given more consideration yeah. than just exactly. like the people that are there. Yeah. And this falls into like all three of those companies do this extremely well is that before the show even begins and you're coming in as a fan and sitting in a chair and you're looking around, you think this is, it's part of the show. You, like something people don't really realize, like the moment you pay for your ticket and you walk in through the door, the show has begun. So how it looks is part of the show too. So like you said, if you go and there's no ring skirt and there's, you know what I mean? The ropes are loose and there's a, and there's like a little yellow rope separating the fans. You start thinking like your expectations go down. So why do you yeah. want to start with low expectations? If you want to have this huge, like, like uh, love wrestling as the huge screen playing videos when you walk in the setups, like a, a, a high rise type of things. So you got balcony seating, Top talent has everybody sitting on the stage and the big screen behind them, the lights and, and the ring look fantastic. RCW has his logo everywhere. And I'm, I think if he could get his logo onto like every single fan, sure he would. So you, you know, it's an RCW show. He has a, has a solid looking entrance and stuff. So, I mean, like once you walk into these shows, you know, it's something, uh, you know, it's a show and you feel good about being there. And I, I've been on those shows too. You just, where you, where you know, it's, kind of crummy and you don't feel as motivated and I, sometimes i think like when a fan walks in and sees that i go what do you even think thinking like you pay 15 bucks and the ring is broken you know yeah. <laughs> so. it's so true though like i remember when i went to like wwe when i was like a little kid 
And uh, I mean, like not super little, but I was a teenage kid. We went to WWE and I think uh, Shane McMahon had just jumped off the Titan Tron onto somebody at, at a SummerSlam or whatever. <laughs> and we walked in and we were like, look at the way this is all set up. I bet you Shane McMahon's going to jump off that thing there tonight. <laughs> you know, it's a house show in Vancouver. Shane McMahon's not jumping off nothing, right? <laughs> but like this is part of the allure. Like you go in and like the whole like setup yep. is part of it like you say so like mm -hmm. yeah definitely when you walk in and like the 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 yeah the ring skirts don't fit and it, it's <laughs> you know disheartening yeah, <laughs> yeah even from our our from the wrestler's point of view too it's like if the fan goes and thinks that trust us we as wrestlers we know we definitely know <laughs> doesn't happen uh -huh. too much anymore it doesn't happen as much as it used to I, I think the dog and pony shows while they still happen uh, like that one that just didn't happen in England here, but the dog and pony shows still kind of happen, but I find that I don't see them happening as much anymore, which is nice. <laughs> yeah, there, there was, uh, there was a couple that were infamous around here. Uh, what would they call Canuck pro or whatnot. Yeah. They're talking about, there's this company, the name escapes me now, but it's currently happening as of the show was supposed to happen today in Europe. And he had like, um, L not Lana, uh, the Samoan girl booked for the show and like Mojo Raleigh. And so, um, uh, she the six, six foot tall girl, but she posted how, uh, this she's is not Nia, gonna, Nia, Jax. Nia Jax, yeah, that's it. Nia Jax. Yeah. So she, she posted how she's not gonna be part of this show and blah blah blah. And like, um, a bunch of guys like that were gonna be on this rant. Our authors of pain, I think, were running it. And then all of a sudden, I guess, according to them, the promoters, everybody got paid, but they decided not to run the show out of respect for the fans or something weird. A very blanket <laughs> out of uh, respect you know, for like, the money you've given us, we're not gonna exactly. give you a show. <laughs> nothing about refunds, nothing. So this is all ongoing currently, but this is exactly like Canuck Pro. And if I remember like I thought Canuck Pro was a fantasy, uh, like one of those fantasy companies, because sometimes these these freaking guys have fantasy companies on Twitter and they make it as legit as possible. There used to okay. be, uh, yeah, I, there used to be this. Uh, I, I don't know what used to, but, but anyway, sometimes fans will like role play as wrestlers, I guess, on Twitter. And there was a fan that picked me to role play as me, which is okay, whatever. So he's he's me in his little fantasy league. But when you click on his Twitter account, he, he made it me and it's my name and my pictures and stuff, whatever, no big deal. But then he started uh, tweet, sending tweets to like Jim Ross and a picture of me and Jim Ross <laughs> and like stealing my pictures with guys like that and sending it to them. And then he would make a post like, great to see Jim Ross. With them. But then he would make another post about like calling Steven Richards a piece of shit because he's feuding with him in the company. Oh, so, then, so then I messaged the guy, I go, hey man, I understand, like, I understand what this is, but it doesn't say role play anywhere on your account. You're, Jim Ross doesn't know who I am really to know that this isn't me, you know? Like he could think this is me. Yeah. The guy's like, oh, it's, he went off, oh, it's just, we're just playing, we're just having fun, blah, blah, blah. So it ended up being a whole thing there. I had to block him and report him and all this kind of stuff. But it was just like, but this is what I thought Canuck Pro was, like a, a fantasy company. They were sending me messages like, oh, yeah, you're going to wrestle like, um, oh, God. I can't remember who my partner was going to be, but I was going to wrestle the Young Bucks. And I'm like, oh, okay. I okay. guess it's obviously not going to happen. And then, like, I, I don't know if they sold tickets. And well, so I, like, uh, I, it was like, I, I know there's a bunch of people that are sitting out there that don't even know what we're talking about. But there's, yeah, like, there's a lot to this, yeah. There was this big show that was advertised a couple of years ago to come to Calgary, and it was set to feature a bunch of like high-level Indian guys, like, oh, like yeah. the Young Bucks that you were talking about. I think uh, 
uh, Penta was advertised for this, and, and yeah, like some Ray wild Phoenix. ones, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, and the tickets were expensive too. Like, I believe it was like two hundred bucks for a ticket or something. <laughs> and then, and then they just never did the show. Nope, nope, just disappeared. And I, I want to say they started selling tickets, and then all of a sudden, nobody was getting replies. And I remember I was sending out messages to people that were showing interest to go, "Hey, this is a scam. Don't buy, don't buy these tickets because this show ain't happening." So. Yeah, and I, you know, I have my thoughts on who was behind it, but um, I guess we'll never really, uh, we'll never really know if she was or wasn't. Yeah, that, that I mean, that's fair. I mean, <laughs> some people have heard about the speculation about like, I don't. I, I mean, I'm not gonna. Uh, well, yeah, I can't uh, confirm. Yeah. Well, yeah, can you okay. confirm? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I've just I, I, all I've heard is that they're, 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 they might have a, a legacy of some sort. Um, so, yeah, like, <laughs> so we were all as wrestlers, we all were like, oh, this is just this again, you know? But like, yeah. what bothered me was like, the fans don't know. And now you're painting us all with a bad light. That's why I get, you know, like other guys, oh, just brush it off. And it's like, well, no, for me as a wrestler, where I like, as much as I enjoy wrestling and I also can make money wrestling, but. Uh, us all as professionals should view this as this company potentially is stepping on us all making more money because people are going to go, Oh, it was Canuck pro that ripped me off it. They're going to think it was professional wrestling and we're all screwed. So yeah, when I see yeah. things like this, I get upset and I go public and be like, Hey guys, this is bullshit. <laughs> Don't think this is what wrestling is and stuff like that. So, and I wish more guys would because uh, if we banded together against dipshits like that. Um, you never know. Maybe they'll stop being dipshits. I mean, probably not, but we can try. Yeah, it, it, it's one of those things, right? Like, just like it makes the it makes the whole uh, process, like the whole business as an overall look bad. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, it's kind of like we were talking about, like when you show up at the show and there's no ring skirt on the thing and there's no effort been put in, like. I mean, it's disheartening because it kind of like, it's like, okay, you could have just spent some money and got some ring skirts and it would have looked way better, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> a couple hundred bucks and you probably would have saved a couple fans that would want to come back just from the moment they walk in, you know, we're we're not already fighting an uphill battle where it's like, they already think it's going to be shitty wrestling and then, oh, the wrestling's fine, but they can't get over the broken ring. Yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. just take pride. Guys has got to take pride in what they do. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. Bobby, you've been you've been wrestling for uh, some time now. You've been wrestling since you were what, like fourteen, thirteen yeah. years old. I've yeah, I had my first match 19, 19 years ago when I was fourteen, and I started training in two thousand one, two thousand one in Edmonton. Yeah, and and were you did you train with um, Monster Pro Wrestling or were you trained with uh, Teddy Hart? And I was <laughs> no. Uh, I was one of the guys that approached Teddy about training when I was 13 or whatever, but never trained with him at that age. No, uh, I broke it. So this was pre-PWA and before Stampede, or this was during the time Stampede was doing its second run in Calgary. There was an Edmonton company called Canadian Championship Wrestling, CCW, run by a gentleman named Robert O'Keefe. He basically, his, his, one of his referees was my best friend's dad. And then, of course he was able to arrange like there were four of us we were all like 12 13 year old kids and it was arranged where the four of us would pay whatever a a drop-in fee to a guy named chris wayne and he would train us chris wayne is from sex smith i don't remember exactly but not from edmonton so he couldn't train us every single day so we usually just would wrestle with like the insane irishman and roll around a little bit jd michaels adrian walls 
So uh, a year of my training was with CCW originally, like the precursor to PWA and all that kind of stuff. They uh, had a show where one of they brought in a big name and he he didn't show to the show. So basically, it folded folded the company. But massive damage. Uh, the late Max Power and King Lau were three other gentlemen that were were just coming to Edmonton and wanted to start a wrestling company. That was its business model was that it was a training camp attached to a company. So basically, they would. I mean, it's smart when you think about it on his point of view, but they would train their wrestlers and then they would create their own wrestlers for their show. And they bring in other guys, obviously, to fill up the card. But that was the business model was that they would train wrestlers. And then when he saw that there was a group of us, four, four or five of us under 18, he saw the idea of having the under 18 division. So instead of like a weight division, it would be a division for kids. And he thought like, you know, it's a younger, a younger audience. Yeah bigger guys for the adults. And then you have like young teenagers that the kids can wrestle and it worked. I mean, they got a lot of publicity and it got a lot of notoriety and it got us into the ring at like 15 years old, which is awesome. Uh, especially for me at the time. Um, so that's kind of how that all started. And then the thing about the under 18 division is that it can't last forever because unlike weight, uh, you will go over 18 eventually. <laughs> you can't go back. So you lose guys, you got to replace them. But I mean, for the two years that MPW had it, it was it got a lot of notoriety. And I know Stampede, after we did it, tried their own version of it too. So that's kind of how I knew it worked, is that other pe people started doing it. Yeah, did you, uh, they had the uh, like the Matt Rats thing. Were you at all involved in any of that? Right before they shut down, I was not going to be booked on some of their shows. But they were doing pilots. It, uh, like I don't know if they did two, but they did the one pilot test, which is basically they were just trying to sell the i don't know who promoted it but they're just trying to sell the show itself and get a network and i believe eric bischoff was involved and um don Callis and joey styles might have been involved but they um they had shot the pilot and had to pay the audience it was a whole it was a whole wild thing it was almost like um that mtv wrestling society x before that was a thing but with younger kids so it wasn't like but it was it's the own unique type of wrestling it's all unique so yeah because it was a bunch of younger younger athletes and younger younger wrestlers and stuff like that. So when they started, I was really, really young. I might've been 13 or 14, but we were being trained in the sense of like, okay, Matt Ratz is where you're going to go. Once you guys are ready to get put on shows and they'd already been kind of talking about them with that. And then uh, the company folded basically, or just ran the one or two shows and never continued yeah. on. So that's kind of where, okay, if we're not having Matt Ratz, we'll do our own thing. And they did the under 18s, which is basically what it was. So were you just, uh, did you just stick with uh, MPW until you went to, to RCW or did you go to PWA first? Or? Um, yeah, I guess this would have been around, these, this is when all the companies wanted you to be exclusive. Um, I have a philosophy about wrestling where it's like, if I'm someplace for too long, I don't like it. I feel like I'm spinning my tires. Uh, if I wrestle everybody that there is to wrestle and there's nobody new, I like moving on to a new company. So that's my philosophy. So uh I broke in with Monster Pro and I, you know, there's issues in the past, but I stuck, stuck it out with them for five or six years. It got to the point where uh, there was a crew meeting and the decision was, Massa said, we're not bringing in any more ex international talent. We have a good crew here, blah, blah, blah. And then I realized, well, if you're not bringing anybody in, then I'm the third most experienced guy on the entire roster. And it's like, well, that's, yeah, yeah. It's great to like, learn how right to here, yeah. carry the other guys, but I was 18, 19. I don't want to learn. Oh, I do want to learn, but I want to wrestle guys better than me, and I want to wrestle tons of guys better than me and different guys. So what I did then is I started getting out of Alberta because I moved to like uh, 
Winnipeg and Manitoba. I wrestled in Ontario and Windsor after that. Went on tour a bunch after that. I came back to Edmonton. And then I then I started working for, for PWA just to get my feet wet there because I never wrestled for them. But when things started taking off for me, is that 2011, things were going really slow and I was kind of feeling disheartened. The CNWA started uh, in 2012 or 2011. And their business model really, really interested me because they were going to run a lot of small towns. They're going to run a lot of like touring, a touring company. And they got a bunch of companies on board to like kind of view like an NWA basically before I okay. go to two. Basically, that's what it was. There were like 10 local companies all agreeing to have a champion and blah, blah, blah. So what happened was um, I used to work my, my I basically I, I quit my real job at the time because it was night shift. I didn't want to do night shifts anymore at the same time. Uh, the CNWA offer came up. So an offer was made to me uh, that would pay my bills, basically. I'd be given a salary to do quite a few shows. We're talking like 100, 100 shows a year. So then that's what that's the offer I took, and that's kind of where I went after that. And so after that, I never considered myself like official, hey, I'm a this guy, I'm a that guy, because when I did CNWA, I wrestled for every company, uh, like Lethbridge, um, all the companies in BC, like, thrash and all-star and you got cwe and you got hrw and all the other companies so so that's kind of how i looked at it i wrestled everywhere i possibly could as far as that goes and then um yeah so that's kind of how how that how, how that went so i wouldn't consider myself a specific to one company type of guy fair enough did you uh have you like uh you mentioned that you uh went over to uh manitoba and that you mm-hmm. went to uh, ontario um if I'm not mistaken, were you not uh, wrestling with Scott Demore and those guys? Yeah, learning uh, at that at their wrestling school. Were you were you trying to get uh, some inroads into TNA? Yeah. Um. So at the time, Global Force was was kind of the the partnered company with with Can-Am Wrestling School. <laughs> it's it's a it's a Can-Am Wrestling School and not company, but like because there's Can-Am in, in in Calgary, but Scott is the Can-Am School. BCW Border City Wrestling is the company, but um. Yeah, well, I, I went down there because I just wanted to, I wanted something different. I wanted something to try to advance my career. Unfortunately, when I went down there, my hips were already so bad that I just knew, like, I don't know, it's limited what I could attempt here. But, but I went down there. I trained with, we trained with Scott. I uh, started working for Global Force and doing a lot of their shows. And then a lot of local uh, Ontario shows, which are all real big, big quality shows. Like, when I started working for Border City out there, he was drawing like 1,000 people. 1500 people to their shows so oh, that's real cool. wild and then there's a company there called destiny uh destiny wrestling in oshawa and they run uh, not oshawa regardless it's at the battle arts uh, santino school and he's his shows are like top notch some of the best shows that i've ever been a part of as well and we're like always import talent you know like the first show i was there he had um pete dunn kevin nash and like um jeff jarrett all on the same show and it was just an average not average but it's a normal Friday night type of show for these guys. So I was like, okay, so these are pretty wild, wild companies. Um, so with the impact, that door is kind of there. I haven't knocked on it. Uh, I'm testing the waters before I say anything. But Scott moved on to impact afterwards when Global Force shut down and Jeff Jarrett had his problems. I had already kind of left at that point and was waiting my surgery. Okay. Um, was this when Jeff Jarrett came to RCW? This is right before that. So okay. when Jeff Jarrett came to RCW, I was on a show with him five and a half months <laughs> before that. So that's why when I heard the story, uh, yeah, I saw him at his worst. I feel bad for the man. I'm happy he's overcome it because it was dangerous. Like he, 
he could have killed himself, but um, yeah. Well, hey, I, I, I'm happy he, he overcame it as well. Mm -hmm. I, I've uh, I've told stories uh, about the, the time that uh, I approached Jeff Jarrett ten minutes before the show was going to start just to find out how much he weighed. <laughs> he spent half an hour making fun of me. <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's literally twenty minutes where people were like downstairs going, "We want the show," because I was ring announcing, right? Is so this is why I needed his weight. And he's like, "What do you mean you don't know how much I weigh?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, it was, it was just oh, yeah. a whole situation. G G double O S W. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I, I don't hold it against him or anything. Cause like I got no. a cool, cool story about that one time that mm -hmm. former intercontinental champion, Jeff Jarrett made fun of me for <laughs> half an hour. You yeah. know? Like <laughs> I, um, when I went to go talk to him at the, at one of the shows, it was after the show and it was just me, him and Scott in a locker room. And I just said, hi, we're just talking about whatever I could tell he maybe had already had a couple it was after the show but he started um asking me it was like do you ever have like a dream that you're not ready to wrestle but your music's playing and you're sitting there panicking and he's like this is how i feel right now i'm like what the fuck are you talking about and he's just like yeah, i was like yeah I, I have had that dream where you're sitting there your boots aren't on but like what the fuck like and he's like yeah so this is how i feel right now and i was like all right man like i don't know why you're, you're panicking and it was just yeah so i mean uh <laughs> he he i've been on i was on shows with him in 2006 as well and he was a different guy then he was a lot of fucking fun then he's definitely a guy that's like a blast to be around at the same time his demons, when they were in control, nobody's really fun to be around at those, at those times. Yeah, for sure. And and like I say, I'm, I'm very happy that he's he's worked as his mm -hmm. problems out, for sure. Uh, I did ask you about, like, uh, inroads with TNA, but uh, have you ever had any opportunities to, uh, like, do tryouts with WWE? Have you uh, been on any, like... Have you been like an extra guy on Raw, or have you have you had any matches on like no. Velocity or anything cool like that? <laughs> Not nothing cool like that. I've been extras. They flew me and paid me. They flew me down and paid me to do a camp in 2013, and then ever since then, I was, they kind of used me as an extra. After. I've never had a match though. We had a dark match, a kind of an FCW, but you can't even count that. There was like 15 people there. <laughs> it was like, this is, this is WWE development. There's like 10, 15 people in the crowd because we were the pre-show, pre-pre-show. So they were testing the cameras. If you're in the ring and you're doing stuff and the lights start flickering because they're testing the lights. They're like, oh, I feel like, feel like a piece of crap. But yeah, I did a three-day camp. Um, it was amazing. I don't really want to get in, into it, but man, it was completely changed my wrestling afterwards everything like when you get a step basically it's a, it's a three-day in-depth seminar where guys like regal and bill demott and joey mercury and billy gunn are like pounding the enormous smile they're pounding this stuff into you and they're focusing on you you're not just an extra number they're trying to get these guys jobs so it was a good one of the hardest things i've ever had to do for sure was that camp because i just ruptured my bicep tendon four months before the camp so then i did it because i was worried by saying if I wasn't ready, I'd lose my opportunity. So I kind of got yeah. screwed there because I wasn't, I should have experience. And I still did a, I thought I did a great, great job. And like, I was able to meet Dusty Rhodes and do a promo in front of him. And that's one takeaway I have is that like, you know, for Dusty, it was like, and for the promos, they said, Hold on, I'm sorry. You're just, you're breaking up real bad here. Okay. Just, just wanted to give it a second and see if it can buffer in. Uh, still good? 
All right. So you were saying you uh, you you got to do a promo in front of Dusty Rhodes. That yeah. that, sounds, that sounds amazing to me. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Because like um, I I was also they give everybody numbers, so I was number one. So I had to do everything first, which is also a bit of a mind fuck. I don't know if they did that to fuck with me or not, because like I was number one, Adam Cole was number two, Roderick Strong was number three, Jesse Neal was number four. And so I was like, does this mean something or not? Because like the, the top, the four guys were like, at least those three guys to me were the top three guys at the camp. And then I was the other one. I was like, what the fuck? And then like five, six, whatever. But um, so with the promo, they, they didn't want wrestling promos. So I did a promo about how I like, I, I strangled a bear that killed my father with my bare hands or something ridiculous like that. And so, because <laughs> I wanted to make everybody laugh. And do it, was just, it was so, just like improv. Yeah, uh, exactly. So, okay. so when I hit, I hit my time and I hit the time right on the mark, which was like kind of luck. And then after the promo, Dusty's like, you know, um, as, as, as ridiculous as everything you said. And like, he goes, I, I believe the words coming on your mouth. He goes, if I, he goes, I believed everything you said from how it sounded, but like, I knew for a fact you didn't kill a bear, but he goes, that was good. That's, that's what we want. We want believability. You can say whatever you want. Went on talking about it for a while. And then he had me cut another wrestling promo after. So I thought that was pretty cool because a lot of guys, like you did the one promo at Dusty, like, okay, good. And then you didn't get called back again. So they called me again and he passed away. Like I want to say a couple months or a year after that. So I was so grateful to get that opportunity uh, with yeah, him. Yeah. That's, 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 that's incredible. That, like, Dusty Rhodes is like one of the guys where if like I'm looking for new shtick to add to my 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 mm-hmm. stuff, I'll like watch like Dusty Rhodes matches and stuff. And I've legitimately just like straight up stolen things from him. And, like, Man, yeah. And, but it's like this is because it's all classic great stuff, you know. And I I find that like his his promos too are like some of the best promos. Him and and uh, Mick Foley are are two of my favorites. Yeah, they're uh, they're two guys that just you believed you believed their words and you felt their fire and their passion. So that's what made them stand out. Not even so much the actual physical words they use, just their tone, their passion, their fire, uh, the look on their face. You know, that's that's what makes me uh, a believer in those guys and why you should watch how they do promos because you don't necessarily need to take like the hard times pro but you can take the message and how he said it and spoke it and you can take that and add it to your promo. And I think that's uh invaluable experience for yeah. people. It's, it's, it's almost, it's more so about how it feels than about mm-hmm. what yeah, you said. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. A hundred percent. I, I love all that kind of stuff. Um, all right, Bobby. So you, uh, you are um, 33 uh, now you've been wrestling mm-hmm. for nearly uh, 20 years. Uh, you're on the comeback trail just after hip surgery. Uh, is there, do you have any uh, aspirations beyond just uh, getting back into the regular rigmarole of Alberta wrestling? Uh, uh, do you uh, want to go and travel back to Manitoba and Ontario again? And- I, I will definitely be, be in BC, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Ontario, for sure, Gar- wrestling, um, guaranteed at times. I plan before I stop at least to go to all these places that I've wrestled before and at least kind of give them, maybe for my own sake, that whole one last match, you know, my last time I'll be in here, my last time I'll be in there because I don't know if I'm really going to be as aggressive as I was before. Um it's going to be just kind of how, how my body holds up for the first little while. Right now, instead of goals of, like, getting places, I have a handful of guys I want to wrestle before I, like, bigger names, not just local guys, before I call it quits. And so that's my goal is just try and get matches with, with my friends I've never gotten to wrestle. 
before I do call quits. And then whatever else happens. Who are some of the bigger name guys that you would like to uh, wrestle before you have to uh, pack it in there? Uh, I'd like to wrestle Paul London for sure. We've been talking a lot and I'd love to get in the mat and the ring with him. Definitely guys like, you know, Renee, Renee Dupree. And uh, again, for sure. I'd like to wrestle like Hannibal from Ontario. That would be kind of an interesting match. Uh, the guy that just like, didn't he just like nearly kill a dude or something? <laughs> like, yeah, I think that'd be a lot of fun. Um, I'd like to wrestle James Storms because he was just here just a little while ago. I think that'd be a lot of fun as well. Um, I mean, I could go on and on and on. I made a little list on Twitter about a couple of local Ontario guys I'd like to wrestle. They were kind of on it. But those those guys are kind of like, now I'm at a level where I want to I want to make those matches important and I want to uh, make that my goal as opposed to, to trying to wrestle a hundred shows in a year or something ridiculous like that, because I want to go for quality matches so that I can look back at these last little bit post hip surgery and go, man, I can't believe I was uh, able to come back from hip surgery and wrestle at this level. So that's kind of yeah. my goal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, it would be pretty disappointed if you start watching your matches back and going, Oh, <laughs> Yeah, I really shouldn't have had that hip surgery. Nope. Look, look at the way I'm yeah. moving. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, so. You don't want that. Um, but I, 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 I honestly don't think there's any risk of that. Like, uh, I've been in. Uh, you were in. Uh, you were recently wrestling on one of the shows I was on. Uh, mm-hmm. Onion Lake, and like, like I say, you're fresh off hip surgery, but you. Uh, easily hands down <laughs> had had the best physique I- I of anyone in the locker room uh, <laughs> that's crazy as a wavel star was on that show that's a hard guy to beat but man i've given him a run for his money now yeah yeah it was it was it was either it was him or you and then uh the, the next guy down would have probably been like isaac takeover as far as like guys that are like totally jacked yeah uh, metal metal's gotten in really good shape lately too so uh, can't can't leave him off the mm-hmm. but, but yeah no you're doing some uh some really good stuff uh your next uh match that you have uh on the docket what what is that and where can people uh, check that out so july 13th i'll be in calgary can-am at the back alley i'm, I'm gonna be wrestling massive damage and then july 29th at the rec room for lpw uh me and Ty, my first match ever with ty jackson so that one's gonna be a lot of fun oh ty yeah, yeah. That, so, that'll be great. I, I love Ty. Like I do some training with him and stuff, and he's mm. so versatile. He can do he can do anything. Like I, I literally watched him uh, jump off the, uh, the, the the turnbuckle post. He was he was perched up on the post like a bird, jumped, turned himself around backwards, landed on the on the on the buckle, then did a <laughs> moonsault into a senton and a beauty. Like, oh, I was like, oh. I'll tell him. He can do that, and I'll catch him for sure. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Every time I mentioned uh, I was wrestling him, I was like, I was like it's going to be good. So the pressure's on, T.Y. <laughs> Hopefully I don't drag it down, buddy. Yeah, no, I, 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 I saw him do that in training, and I've, I've been waiting for him to bust it out ever since. I was like, are you going to do that to John Morrison? And he was like, no, I don't think John Morrison will let me do it to me to him. And I was like, yeah, yeah that's he would have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, he would have been the guy that would have, he would have been the one guy that would be like willing to do the, any crazy ridiculous. He's very much like, well, when it comes to crazy wrestling ideas, John Morrison's like Ted where he just like, he's willing to do the stupidest, craziest things just, just to try it. Oh, well, I just, saw that. Uh, isn't it a piece of shit? <laughs> I saw that he heavy metal gave him the uh, razor's edge, but he's like he was inverted, mm-hmm. so like belly to back or whatever. Yeah, he spiked him right down onto his head. That's what he <laughs> and wanted. Then I, 
I told I talked to Metal and Metal was like, oh, that was his idea. <laughs> like, yeah. I know okay. I talked I talked to him too about that. And I said, like, I go, like, that's definitely not something I you would do. And it looked like he couldn't keep control of himself. And he's like, Yeah, it was his idea too. And it's like he tried to do it with Samoa Joe, and Joe's like, No. I was like, that's probably why Joe said no. Guy can't take his own move. You know? <laughs> but yeah, that was him. He likes that kind of stuff. You know, God bless him. Yeah, that's awesome. Anyway, uh, Bobby, we have been going uh, very close here to an hour now. So I am going to, uh, I'm going to just uh, say thank you very much uh, for coming on the show. It was, it was a pleasure to have you on here. I guess I should, uh, before we, uh, we go, I should mention that you are, of course, uh, married to Kat Von Hees, who uh, beat me up last weekend. We actually, we, oh, we, we had a, we have, she told you about that. Hey, eh? <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, I, I also, I also could just, could have just guessed, you know, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, we, we had a, ter- a tremendous amount of fun and I, I really uh, hope I get to wrestle with a uh, cat again soon. Perfect. Yeah. She said she had a fun match too. So she just accidentally kicked you really hard. <laughs> It's, it's it's wrestling people get kicked in the face once in a yep. while it exactly. wasn't the first time and it won't be the last you see my scar right there uh, you can't really see it yep exactly <laughs> is that from wrestling with cat that is from wrestling <laughs> you would think no that's from wrestling with, with big jess was the nice my check mark scar it's like right kind of see it a little bit it's right when my hair splits and it kind of comes down right there it's it's hidden now uh, yeah you might be able to see it a little bit there there see uh, oh yeah Right there. Well, there you go, folks. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so nice check mark scar on my face. It happens. That's wrestling. Yeah, right on. Already. So uh yeah, I just uh I wanted to uh say uh thank you for coming on the mm-hmm. show. Uh tell cat I say hello and uh yeah, um hopefully I'll get to see you out at some uh more RCW shows coming up. So hopefully I'll be able to come and check out the uh love wrestling stuff. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for those of you that are watching again, uh Bobby has a match coming up next week for Can Am. Uh at uh, that's Wednesday at the Back Alley Club. You got and, it. Uh, yep. And then uh July the 29th uh at the Rec Room uh for for Love Wrestling here in Edmonton. Yep. So uh you go check out those shows and of course uh hopefully Bobby will get booked on on even more shows and <laughs> Hopefully, uh, one of these days, me and you will get to yeah. each together. One day, man. I hope so. Yeah. Right, thanks, for ha- thanks for having me, buddy. It was a pleasure. Thank, thank you for coming on. Uh, this has been uh, Kyle Shaw, a.k.a. the Canadian Goose, with Bobby Sharp on the uh, first ever edition of Love Wrestling's Monday Night Shaw. Mm-hmm.